Relatively Speaking Podcast with your hosts, Jerry Mintz and Joseph Nardone. Welcome back to the Relatively Speaking Podcast. We are recording on Friday, January 6th. I'm your co-host, Jared Mintz. This is my first show of 2017. As I missed Monday's show, the amazing Tommy Stokey filled in for me and did a wonderful job. He called out my co-host on a number of issues, but before we get into those, let me introduce said co-host. Joining me today and every other day that we record this tremendous, outstanding, award-winning podcast, Joseph Nardone. Joe, how's 2017 treating you? How'd you enjoy Monday's show? Say something bad about Tommy Stokey. 2017 so far has been awesome. 2017 show is the highest rated show in the Relatively Speaking podcast history. So maybe the issue here isn't me, it's you. Is that true? Was it really the highest rated show? No. Uh, you, you, you've been trying, you've been like laying it on me thick all week about how I had to miss Monday's show. I literally didn't have a voice. Like, I would have gotten on the show and been like, welcome back to the Relatively Speaking podcast. This is Jared Mintz. You don't I, want that. Man. I would totally listen to that podcast. Yeah, you, you, me, and and that's about it. My dad probably wouldn't even listen to that one. So we did, we did our fans a favor by having me sit that one out and and letting Tommy jump on. Well, poor and Tommy, I, think, I forced him off the rails about nine thousand times. Nothing we ended up doing was on the rundown. Sounds about right. It, it didn't seem that way. But I was going to say you should be happy about Monday's show. I mean, you got to talk about college basketball for like an hour, dude. Right, and uh, he, I don't know how, like, college basketball was on the rundown, but I don't know how thrilled he was that I kept diving back into it. I did let him talk baseball, though, which is in his wheelhouse, although baseball yeah. concern was, was Ryan Howard, a, a Hall of Famer. Right. Baseball clearly wasn't in your wheelhouse, as you asked him who the best <laughs> player on the Detroit Tigers is. Is it Justin Verlander, to which he responded, have you ever heard of Miguel Cabrera? I almost died laughing at home <laughs> listening to that part of the show. Like, I was, like, live-tweeting listening to the show. It was hysterical. It was it was a good show, and uh, I was waiting for Lou Whitaker knowledge. Um, that's basically where my baseball knowledge stops. And uh, You brought up Tom Omansky, obviously. Yeah, you know what's weird about the Tom Omansky thing is the first time we ever practiced our podcast, we did Tom Omansky bet. And that's what, I don't know how that, I forget how it got brought up with Tommy, but I, that's what it made me think of was when we did a dry run of the podcast, we somehow weaseled in Tom Omansky references. Hey man, gotta stay consistent. It was very on brand for you. I thought it was a good show. I also, so the two things that I laughed really hard at were, aside from the Miguel Cabrera bit, was him calling you out for pronouncing the S in, in Illinois, with him actually being from Illinois, and you just kept saying it willfully. That was outstanding, and I think I counted you referring to Michigan as being trash like 17 times on the show. So how do you feel about this year's Michigan Wolverines basketball team, Joe? Trash. <laughs> well, he's like, he was saying there was going to be like nine teams in the Big Ten making the NCAA tournament, and I'm like, no, it's going to be like four or five. Uh, because I thought Illinois and there it uh, is. Northwestern are both probable NCAA tournament teams, but they're, they're still kind of on the bubble. And he's like, no, there's like eight or nine. So I made him go through the list and tell me which ones. And by the time we were done, he had four in. Yes. So yeah, there will not be nine Big Ten teams. No, in the, no. Uh, the tournament this year. I mean, the Big Ten's a big conference. Like, don't get me wrong, but it's not like the ACC where there's 37 teams. Right, right. Well, we'll get back to college basketball in a little bit, but I think we should start off today's show. By, by the way, my coffee is delicious this morning. Did you ever have a cup of coffee where you're just like, man, this is hitting the spot? I know you don't like coffees. Did you ever have a drink? Non-alcoholic, where you're like, man, this just hits the spot. Yeah, absolutely, all, all the time. I'm happy for you and your, your coffee prowess right now. That, I think it's the creamer I got. I was out of creamer this morning after I dropped my kids off at school. I stopped at the A-plus, which is like a generic Turkey Hill. And uh, there was something there called Half and Half and Rosebuds or something. And that's the creamer I got, and it is delicious. Interesting. Now, what is a Turkey Hill, like, related to? Oh, you know, like, a Wawa? Wawa? So like Wawa or maybe Seven Eleven or Stewart's. Yeah, it's, just, it's like a gas station, but they have a bunch of amenities inside and stuff. Very nice, good stuff. I'm glad for your rosebuds. What does yeah. that even taste like? Well, it does. It's just normal creamer, but it's I guess the brand's rosebuds, so it's half and half in rosebuds or something. I can't really read it because it's far away now. I just it was the only creamer they had available. Interesting. It was well, expensive that- as all hell, which isn't surprising considering it's just a gas station and I'm getting creamer there. 
Right. Well, hey, listen, if uh, if Rosebuds would like to sponsor the Relatively Speaking podcast, sounds like you got a big fan over here. So, shout oh, out. hey, I'm Ryan. It's Rosenbergers. This guy, man. What else does Rosenbergers make? Mm, well, I should have done the research before the show. I'm assuming not much. All right. Well, they make a good half and half. So, shout out to Rosenbergers. Again, Rosenbergers. If you guys would like to sponsor the Relatively Speaking podcast, you got a big fan over here. Their decal is a horse pulling a, a carriage. I don't know what Sick. that has to do with Creamer, but that's their decal of the, the Creamer. Awesome. Good stuff. We stand for that. Well, I can't say we'll get back to college basketball in a little bit because we're already off college basketball. Who cares? We're going to start today's show talking about the NBA where there was a trade last night and there may be another trade following up relatively immediately. But first, let's talk about what's already happened, and that is the Atlanta Hawks getting the ball rolling on giving up on this season by trading Kyle <laughs> Korver. I mean, listen, trading Kyle Korver isn't going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back in Atlanta. But, but it's a it's, start. Right. It's clear that now they're they're considering moving their pieces, which really means they're going to consider trading Paul Millsap. But before we get into that, let, let's talk a little bit about the first trade they made. Last night, they sent Kyle Korver to the defending champion, Cleveland Cavaliers, for Mike Dunleavy and the 2019 first-round pick. I've also seen on Twitter Mo Williams' name attached to this trade, but to my knowledge, Mo Williams is not an NBA player anymore. I'm not sure if that's just... <laughs> Slander! No, 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 I'm, I'm being serious. I thought he retired before the season started. No, I, don't know I think if, he was on a lot of money, so he stayed. Right, I, I don't know if this is just slander from Cavs Twitter or jokes from Cavs Twitter throwing Mo Williams in something he's not involved in, but um, everything I'm seeing just has Mike Dunleavy and the 2019 first-round pick. Cleveland.com has Mo Williams in the trade. There it is. So Mo Williams is a part of the trade as well. So essentially what Cleveland is doing is shedding some some cap room by bringing back Corver for two players while also opening up a roster spot, but really adding a player who could play now for them as Mike Dunleavy Jr. hasn't exactly worked out for the team this year. I thought it was a good signing in the offseason. He made a lot of sense as another guy who could space the floor for them, but he really hasn't played a whole ton uh, and he hasn't been all that productive for them. I mean, he's shooting 35% from three, but he just he hasn't played that role that, that I think they were expecting, which maybe Kyle Korver can, can kind of be better served to play. Joe, what do you think of this trade for the Cavs? Um, from what they're – like, listen, the whole whatever they're giving up thing doesn't matter. First-round pick, 2019 doesn't matter. Dunleavy, like you said, didn't work out. Mo Williams, whether or not he was actually involved in the trade or not, does not matter one single bet. Um. Corver is obviously not the guy he was two years ago, but that's not what they're hoping he is. They're just hoping he's somebody that could play, fill up Dunleavy's minutes, maybe a little bit more, spread the floor, and that's it. I think it's a good move. I mean, you're giving up essentially nothing of consequence for a guy that could possibly help you spread the floor. Um, they're already the best team in the East, and you, if worst-case scenario says you just broke even here. So, and like I said, I don't think the pieces matter. So, like, in, 2020, in 2019 draft, nobody's going to be like, man, that's Cleveland pick. What a mistake they were. They did to, to trade it for Kyle Korver. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's a good move by Cleveland's front office. And for Atlanta, I guess, yeah, I mean, I, you're getting veteran players that aren't going to be around. You're just creating... Uh, future cap space, I guess, and then hoping that you hit on, on 2019 with a draft pick. But they're just clearly just unloading their roster. I do think it's good for Cleveland, though. Yeah, I do too. I mean, and again, they, they've needed somebody to kind of fill J.R. Smith's minutes. He's still out for, you know, another three months or so. And, you know, as much as, as I was joking at myself for saying Jordan McRae is totally going to fill that role this year, Jordan McRae's had a couple of good games since J.R. Smith went down, but bringing Kyle Korver kind of just adds another shooter another floor spacer, and yeah, he's 36 years old, he's not in his prime anymore, but he's still a solid defender, especially in terms of team defense, so it, it's kind of like a no-brainer that this is an upgrade for the Cavs. Again, Dunleavy wasn't quite working out, Mo Williams wasn't playing, I, they didn't really lose much here. What, what's a first-round pick to add another guy who, who shoots 40% from three for them? So yeah, I, I think this is a really good trade for Cleveland, but again, you know, I, I don't really think the big story here is as much the Cavs getting Kyle Korver they're just they're getting you know another ninth man or so eighth or ninth man on the team. The big story here is Atlanta selling, and it's become quite evident recently that the Hawks you know aren't going to compete for the Eastern Conference. 
that they may not even be a playoff team. You know, they've kind of plummeted since starting the season nine and two. It hasn't been a good stretch of basketball for them, but them giving up on Corver kind of means they're probably going to give up on some other pieces. I don't know that you can move Dwight Howard's contract, but you can certainly trade Paul Millsap, who's an expiring contract, and I don't know, one of the 10 to 15 or so best players in the league. Joe, where do you think Paul Millsap winds up going? Do you, do you think there's, there's you know, one team that makes more sense than others, or is this kind of anybody's guess at this point? I know you met, before the podcast you mentioned Toronto. I do think this is kind of an any anybody's guess situation because I have no idea what he get, what like what Toronto's gonna ask for him, and then who has the pieces? Like, I don't think he actually like the Boston fit would be funny, you know what I mean? But Boston's not giving up any though. I don't think they're. I mean, considering where that Brooklyn pick is headed, you're not giving up that asset for uh, because they need guards. Um, you're not giving that uh, that asset for an expiring contract, even if it's Paul Millsap. You know what I mean? And then um, I don't know what other like what other teams that are on the precipice are have have play like of making legitimate deep playoff pushes outside of Toronto, which is why it's a good point for you. Have pieces they're willing to part with that Toronto's willing to take. Do you know what I mean? So, <clears throat> excuse me. Like I don't, see, I don't see the Clippers being able to unload a ton of things to bring him over. Nor do they really need him. Do you know what I mean? Like he doesn't really yeah. like. So I guess I'm going to go with your Toronto thing by default. Though I still think like it's it's going to be wide open just because I have no idea what Atlanta's going to ask for him. Yeah, it, it is pretty wide open. And just to clarify, I said Millsap is an upcoming free agent. He's actually in the second year of a three-year, sixty million dollar contract. But he does have a player option after this year that would make him an unrestricted. He's going to opt out because he's going to want more money, right? And he's going to get it from somebody. Uh, you know, I think I'm not certain if it's too late for him to go elsewhere and sign an extension. I'm not really sure how you know what, what the cap exceptions are for things like that. Uh, but back to teams that are interested in him. I mean, you're always going to see Boston kind of propelled into the middle of trade talks, whether it's legitimate or not. Boston I mean, they all chase burn because they're going to get a guard finally. Do you know what I mean? Out of this draft. You know, yeah, what I, mean? like they, I guess. I mean, what what guard, what guard are they going to get though? And I mean, yeah, we're talking about the draft, and that, that's the future. But you, you wonder, are they? They're trying to compete right now. I mean, no, I, 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 I said, listen. I, I I always I wrote about this like two years ago that Brad Stevens is going to be a victim of his own success. Like their roster is not even still that good. Like it's good now, but it's not great. Like it's not in a position where they could actually do anything in the East. Right, but this is a relative thing, and I mean, they're they're a top three team in the East last season. No, no, probably- no, I completely understand. But like, if you have the chance, right? So, if, if I'm telling you, you could get Paul, you could get Paul Millsap, right? And you're just going to keep continue to to clog up the front court. Do you know what I mean? While still only having one guard, you're not actually getting better. Yet you're getting a better player, but you're still like your strengths are still going to be your strengths. Like you're not right. actually improving in areas you need to improve. And this draft is just loaded. Like I, I, I understand with, that, with, but I just, with guards. Yeah, it really is. It absolutely is, and it looks like you know they're going to have a top five pick at worst or so, and their choice at you know one of Fultz, Smith, Monk, Ball, like one of these guys, even Jackson. Man, Ball's like, special. Yeah, they're, they're all really good. They're no, all. No, really I, I, listen. I'm starting to. I'm starting to do the. I, I don't want to go on a tangent, but I think he's starting to separate himself from from the pack. I've been trending faults lately, and I was a big ball guy like a week ago. They, they're all really good, though. Is is the point? You know, I love how I, the whole ball family just shoot. Did you see his his uh, end of the first half shot last night? No, I did not. He pulled up from about the half court line. Did I he, love did it. He drain, yeah, he made did he it. Drain it too. Yeah. yeah, the whole ball family just apparently just <clears throat> shoots forty five foot bangers at the regular. It's what they do. Um, I'm sorry, listen, I didn't mean to go on that tangent. I'm, I apologize. No, it's, it's worth talking about. Every corner, it's worth talking about because people need to know how good this draft class is. It's disgustingly good, especially in terms of, of guards and. It's not great on the big man front. No, no, it's not. But you have these guards. Like the top five picks will be guards or wings, and it's going to be ridiculous. But just just back to Boston. I mean, you know, they they have Isaiah, who I'm who I'm thinking that's who you're referring to as the one guard they have. But they also paid Avery Bradley recently, and they like him a lot. Marcus Smart's not an offensive player, but he is a decent player for them. He does a lot of good things. I just think you, you can get a Paul Millsap who, you know, you're not wrong in saying it doesn't necessarily fix their problem, but but he's he's a very good player. And they've been they've been linked to guys like, and again, you don't know how legitimate their links are, but they have been linked to guys like DeMarcus Cousins and Blake Griffin in the past. 
meaning they're looking for a dynamic front court scorer. And Millsap can be that while also being a good defender. You pair him with Al Horford again. These guys have chemistry. They've worked together. They've worked well together. I don't like talking about Boston just because it feels like they're always involved in trade rumors. It's, it's all Bologna. Yeah. It's all right. It's always BS. I don't like it. But again, you know, you're looking at a guy like Millsap, who's a, a big talent, and what team has the haul to send back for him? And Boston's feasibly one of them if they do want to move one of those picks. I don't think the mark. Well, that's the thing. They have multiple picks, so they don't have to move Brooklyn's. You know what I mean? It's just whether or not that's going to be enough for Atlanta to be like, okay, we'll do it. That's why I'm curious to know, because I don't know how great the market's going to be, because I don't know how many teams are going to be willing to part with. Like, listen, Millsap's great, right? Just great, 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 great. But, man, I just don't know if Atlanta's going to get a ton. So maybe Boston could move one of their other, a couple of their other Brazilian picks and somebody else. Like, I, like you'd have to move somebody like a, a a player on the roster that's at least at least good. Like so you're gonna move somebody that's good now, like a Jay Crowder, and I don't like I think Jay Crowder's worth keeping. Sure. Yeah. Um like like that whole other day when Gordon Hayward came to town there cheering him. Like, listen, I like Gordon Hayward and stuff, and I understand the connection because of Brad Stevens and people love white people for some reason. Um <laughs> But Jay Crowder's really, really good. Like real like I, I don't understand how he's good. Like, I don't. Like, when he was in college, I had no idea he'd be a good pro. Um, but he's turned out to be a really good player. And I think if you're – I think you just – this is the year you – this should pay off for you in the draft where you could add another super dynamic guard to what is other – like, that will finally round out the roster in a way where you could go, hey, we could actually to compete for the Eastern Conference Championship. Do you know what I mean? Right, and it sets them up for the future too. Yeah, so I, actually, I, like I, Millsap, like it's, even though, like you said, like he has next year on his deal as well, and it's player option, and maybe they could do like a sign deal. I, I just don't know, like unless you're guaranteed these things, I'm not. If I'm Boston, I'm not willing to. I like the Toronto deal because Toronto kind of it's going to grow on me. The more we talk about it out loud, is that if Toronto has the enough pieces to move. You got to just keep taking your shot if you're Toronto, because you're not going to land super huge free agents. Not that Boston is either, but Boston has all these assets to make moves in the offseason, drafting wise. Toronto just has to make moves. Right. Yeah, I'm a, I'm in agreement with you there. But before I get more into Toronto, the other team I saw possibly being linked to Millsap was drumroll the Sacramento Kings. I have no idea what they have to offer. I just you know they're, they're one of their nine thousand bigs. Right. There are a bunch of them. Right, right. There, there's a column from uh, CSN Bay Area that the Kings are pursuing Paul Millsap. If they can get him, that's good for them because they're what are they the eight seed now? Or they're battling yeah. over the eight seed? They, they they were in there. They were they were in competition for the eight seed. You know, the last time I looked at standings. Yeah, so I mean, if you have, I don't think they have assets to move, but um, I mean, they have a bunch of big guys, and a lot of them are young. So maybe two of those in a first rounder. I don't know if that's enough, though. Like I said, I think what's going to be interesting here is how much the Hawks are going to ask for and how much teams in the NBA are willing to give. Because the only teams that have worthy pieces are ones that are either close enough that they're not going to make a move. Like, they're not going to be willing to part with major pieces to get Millsap. And then Boston, who I believe should stand stand firm. I don't even, like, what does Toronto give up? Like, what right, that- that's the issue, right? Right. I mean, you, you look at their roster, and, you know, they got a couple good young players. Bartolo tra- Colon? What's his name? The guy that's two years yeah, away from being two years away? Yeah, Bar- Bartolo Colon. Bruno Caboclo. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't who, matter what his name is. He's not good. Right. Z- zero value there. I mean, you, you look at some of their younger players, though. Norman Powell is probably the first candidate that comes up. Yeah. And, and I, I like Norman Powell a lot. I'm a big fan. I just think he's kind of one of these players in a situation where he can't find the minutes. But whenever he does, he's super productive. <laughs> He's a good two-way player. I, I'm high on him. I think Toronto's pretty high on him, too. Like, he might be too much to give up for a possible rental of Millsap for them. But I feel like you're right, Joe. This team is this team is knocking on the door, and now is really the time for them. Like, what are they without Kyle Lowry? You know, th- this is the Kyle Lowry era, and as long as he's good, they're going to be competitive. So he's 30. DeRozan is 27. Valanciunas is still only 24, but... You know, we're not really sure what he is. I mean, yeah, he's a good player, but if he was really, like, this franchise cornerstone for them, I think he'd be playing more than, you know, 
25 minutes a game or so. He doesn't play huge minutes. Obviously, he's their big guy. They love him, but he splits minutes with uh, Bebe Noguera a bunch. So I, I don't know that like they love him. But you know, the point is, like you need to win right now with these guys. And you had Tamari Carroll, who's 30. Like bring in bring in Paul Millsap really fits with their window and their timeline. And unfortunately, you know the main thing that knocks against that is it's also LeBron's window. And like, are you really competing in the East as long as LeBron's in the East? But but I do think now is the time to kind of pull the trigger and do it. But just to get back to their pieces, I mean, they have Terrence Jones. They could feasibly move first round pick Pascal Siakam. I love pack. him. I don't think you move on from. I, I well, that's the thing is that they have they have Siakam and they have uh, your boy Jakob Podol. Yeah. Who, you know, but both their prospects, I, I don't know how good either of them are, but they're both young. They're both, you know, controlled contracts for a little bit. I think Poltel is mo- more movable of uh, the two, because, but, I mean, I get, you're probably going to have to move both. They're both going to have to be pieces for Millsap, I imagine. Right. You're going to have to give up a bunch to bring back, you know, an all-star, all-NBA-level player like Millsap. No, I'm totally with you. I I'm looking at the roster now and I'm trying to figure out a way. And like, then, like I'm the idiot that loves young players who's like, no, you can't part. Even though Millsap's already better, and it's probably always going to be better than these guys. I'm like, no, you can't move on from them. They're young. You know what I mean? So, right. Uh, yeah, both those guys would have to move and probably some draft picks and maybe even even still Norman Powell to go with it. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's, it's gonna take. A a, it's gonna. It's gonna. Like you said, it's gonna be a big haul and. Man, that's a lot for Toronto. Like, I understand Toronto's window is kind of like now, it, like now in three years, in the next three years, too, I guess. So you kind of have to take your shot. But that you you really are bank, like, you're really just going to kill your future. Like, you're really just like, all right, but then we're going to stink. You know what I mean? Right. And whoever's doing it is doing it for now, and it, it makes sense. Now, I wonder if there are any teams that are kind of, you know, knocking on the playoff door. That the could be consi- No, stop. I'm not going there. Man. That's where I thought you were going with it. No, what do they even have? They have nothing. Um, Dude, but like, they could act, realistically, they could probably move some pieces that the Hawks would be like, yeah, give me those expiring contracts. We're not doing this right now. I'm just Absolutely. saying, for you, the question right. is, listen, man, what's with Derrick Rose and his stupid quotes, man? He needs, he, this has been going on for years. Oh, I, I guess I don't get calls, so I guess that's why that happened. Man, shut up. Yeah, yeah, I don't disagree. That the thing that drives me craziest about that is it really riles up the fans, and the fans are like, you know, Derrick Rose doesn't get any calls; it's garbage. Melo doesn't get any calls; it's garbage. That's that's not the problem with this team. But let's, let's <laughs> yeah, but that, that's why that's why they what did they lose at one point nine in a row? Um, they right now they've lost nine of their last eleven. Okay, so they're not good again. Right, they are not good again. Um, this they, was my my perfect scenario, by the way. I remember before the season, I told you I hope they were just good enough to get the fans' hopes high. And then they come crashing back down. Yeah, they did it. They they start the season fourteen and ten, and Nick bloggers start talking about the Knicks are pushing into the NBA's elite territory, <laughs> and then they're like twenty first in differential in the league. But sure, they're elite. All right, stop. Super man. team. Stop me. Stop me. Okay. But I like. I do like one last thing on the Knicks. I do like how it was like not all. Like I don't want to wet blanket all Knicks bloggers and fans, but it was like, yeah, we're a super team, and now it's like, well, you know, the goal is just to make the playoffs. Yeah. Right. Worst. All right. Let, let's get back to some other potential teams. Guys like guys like the Wizards, maybe. What about what about um, the Pelicans feasibly or even even the Blazers? I mean, I don't think that they would do this, but I've seen people talking about the Blazers possibly breaking up Lillard and McCollum. No, nah. I mean, those two guys. Those two guys are easily the two best players on the team. It, it doesn't make sense to, to break them up. But if you could bring in a Millsap and be a little bit more well-rounded and not have to rely on the brothers Plumley and Leonard up front. I mean, may, maybe it's a move that you got to do. Maybe it, no, maybe it's not. You don't break, you don't break up a, that duo to bring in Millsap, who might not be there that line when you're not that competitive in the West. As it's like you're not making the jump anywhere. Just just admit Portland that you're having a bad year. It happens sometimes, and move forward during the offseason. I don't like this idea where teams have to make because they're, they're, they took a step back in the season prior. They have to make these drastic moves. Even though we all know McCollum and Lillard are good, now it's like, hey, let's break them up. Like, it makes no right. sense. It doesn't. It's the dumb. Only thing, the only thing with Portland, though, is, I mean, they committed a lot of money in free agency this past summer to guys that it's like they're not moving the needle at all, and they may not move the needle at all moving forward. Like, they're, they're not really in a place where it's like, well, we can improve next year. I feel like this team is kind of stuck in the mud a little bit. That's the only reason I bring them up. Could they Sorry. just have, like, can't a team, though, like, seriously, I, this, I know this is more an NFL thing than a basketball thing. 
But aren't teams sometimes just allowed to stink and there's not really a reason behind it and then they bounce yeah, back? Do you course. know what I mean? That's where I feel like what's happening with Portland is they're just they just it's just one of the, it's just one of those things. It's they're not actually bad. They're just not playing well this season. That's all. Right. All right, Joe. Gun to your head. Where does Paul Millsap wind up? He winds up in Charlotte. Wow, interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with Toronto. I, I am afraid of Masai Ujiri. I think he's a genius. I he think he's going to – he's going to – I mean, I don't know that he's done genius things in Toronto. Sure he besides, has. Besides put Bargnani on the Knicks. Um, but we'll, we'll see. Listen, man, that's a Hall of Fame level worthy type of maneuver right there. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, we'll see where he winds up. But let's, let's stick with Toronto, I guess, as we begin speaking about um, the NBA All-Star voting. The first, first round of votes came in, and – it shocked a lot of people yesterday to see that. I mean, you know what? Let, let's approach this a different way. Joe, what, what's the most surprising thing that you took away from the first uh, round of votes coming in? Uh, that people get really mad over all-star votes. <laughs> okay, like to be specific. Zaza, people, the whole Zaza thing. Right, people are really upset that Zaza Pachulia is the second leading front court player in all-star <laughs> voting by almost 100,000 votes over Kawhi Leonard. This is just nuts to me, though, because it's not even like – I think people are looking at this like, oh, they're just going to vote for Warriors. Zaza has 200,000 more votes than Draymond Green. <laughs> this is significant. But this is significant because, like, you may look at that like, yeah, but what does that number really mean? Draymond Green has 236,000 votes. Zaza has 439,000 votes. The leading vote getter in front court players in the Western Conference is Kevin Durant at 541. <laughs> so the gap between Zaza and Draymond Green is double the gap between Durant and Zaza. I mean, but, you know what I mean? Like, it's ridiculous. So I, guess I had no be- idea Zaza had that big of a following. Yeah, nobody did. It's completely shocking. Where the hell does this come from? People on Twitter were like, yeah, his entire home country is voting for him. What do you expect? I mean, like, listen, fan voting's dumb. We've all known this for a long time. The NBA is doing what they can to try and minimize fan voting by only making it account for 50% of the selection. I don't really understand how this works. I know somebody smart was posting about it yesterday that they, they had a quote from, like, the NBA's office about how they're going to actually tally the votes and how they're going to figure out who's starting and stuff, but... Zaza Pachulia is not going to start the All-Star game. And equally ridiculous, I mean not equally, nothing is equally ridiculous to that. Ridiculous. On the other side, you get Dwayne Wade, who's second in guards in All-Star voting. Uh, DeMar DeRozan is ahead of Kyle Lowry. Derek Rose is also ahead of Kyle Lowry. I mean, like, Kyle Lowry's probably been the second best player in the Eastern Conference this season. So a lot of people were up in arms about that, too. Joe, is it stupid that people get so upset about all-star voting? Well, listen, there's there's a couple levels to this. One, we should get, like, here's the deal. We get upset. I understand you want reform and stuff, right? But we already know the deal. Like, we know this every year going in that these things are going to be awful because fans are involved. I also understand that some players have incentives built into their contract to make all-star teams and this kind of messes with their money. All totally understandable, and it makes these things to a level egregious. Yeah, but what does that do to fans that it makes well, fans well, well, that's Well, that's the main point here. Like, you, The NBA has always been like a, a fan-first league. The All-Star game means nothing, right? And they're, it's 99% of the time it's not very enjoyable to watch. Uh, most of us just go in to see the dunk contest and maybe the three-point contest. So, like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I'm worried about Kyle Lowry's $850,000 incentive to get made into an all-star. Like, I'm, I don't care. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to sound heartless. I just don't care. If you want reform, that's up to the NBA and whatever the CBA or whatever. I don't know how this gets. I don't know if this is even involved in the CBA. You, you negotiate it to just be coaches and or players or specific members of the media. But then we're going to have issues with that because – we're always behind on who's actually, like, when I say we, I mean fans, right? So we're always behind on when somebody's actually good and then when somebody's no longer good. Like, we're always a couple steps behind. So, like, when Jay Crowder makes the All-Star team, people are like, I don't want to watch Jay Crowder. Do you know what I mean? Right. I'm just, I just picked Jay Crowder out of a hat. Just insert whoever is a super awesome role player that NBA coaches would be like, yeah, he deserves the nod. Because that's what's going to happen. If you just give it to coaches, they're going to be like, 
Yeah, man, Jay Crowder deserves to be an all-star because we see all these things fans don't see, but fans aren't going to want to see that. So there's no win here, and let's be honest, like it doesn't really matter. It's an all-star game. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not trying to sound like hipster, jerky Joe guy. I'm just saying, like, it, like I I casually have the all-star game on in the background, so it's not important to me. You always sound like hipster, jerky Joe guy. Yeah, that should be my name. Next time, next, I, on Monday when he introduced me and my co-host, Hipster Jerky Joe. Hipster Jerky Joe <laughs> That's guy. That's my rap name. Right. I mean, listen, though, aside from, you know, Zaza and obviously Derek Rose being high in voting and, and Dwayne Wade, like, the majority of this is right. I mean, let, let's just let's look at like the top five for each category. The Eastern Conference front court. You have LeBron leading the way. After that is Giannis, who like yeah, these should be the two top vote getters for front court players. All right. After that, you have Kevin Love, who has been better than people want to give credit for. Kevin, Kevin Love's been awesome. awesome this year. Right. I mean, listen, like the ideal, I guess, would probably be LeBron, Giannis, and then Jimmy Butler. Those have probably been the three best players in this category. Jimmy Butler's sixth. Ahead of him, you have Melo, who. Hasn't been an all-star, but he's the Knicks' best player, I guess, or the most popular player on the Knicks, so it makes sense he's going to get these votes. Ahead of him, you have Joel Embiid in fourth. I mean, like, it'd be awesome if Joel Embiid gets voted into the all-star game. It'd be literally awesome. His campaign's the best. He, he'd get to date the girl who said, I won't date you till you're an all-star. It'd be awesome stuff. So, Did you see that be- Donald Trump tweeted at him? Stop. I don't, at, at Embiid? Well, he, he did the fake quote tweet, and it said, Donald Trump... Uh, NBA vote you all beat and he did wow he fake quoted them. That's oh, <laughs> he God. is the like seriously man. Did you see the Chandler Parsons bit too when it was Kate yeah. Beckinsale? Man, he is. You know what's funny? I was thinking about this yesterday, right? Because I have always liked you all but his rookie year when he was hurt, the narrative was people forget this because it was driven by basket bloggers and idiots that want to make things into things that aren't things. Was that he drank too much wine? Or whatever drinks he liked. Was it wine? Remember? I don't remember the, the drinking. Yeah, it was. he drank too much wine and he spent too much time on social media. Right. Yeah, and now we all hammered. love him for it because we're like, oh, he's good. So now it's funny. But right. he, it, he was it, this guy two years ago. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was hysterical. It's very funny now. I didn't see that Trump thing. That That's really funny. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this guy, like, fans should love him. Fans should want to vote for him. So that's your Eastern Conference front court and the back court. <sighs> Kyrie Irving's leading the way. After him, you have Dwayne Wade, DeMar DeRozan, Isaiah Thomas, and then you have Derrick Rose, Kyle Lowry, John Wall. I mean, there, there's a lot of really good guards in the East that should be getting in. Dwayne Wade probably isn't having the best season, but again, this is for the fans. It's okay that he's number two in votes. I would like to no, see No, Jared, Kyle. it's not okay. I'd like to see Kyle Lowry move up a little bit. Let, let's just, let's mow forward. No, let's not just randomly naming names. Front court in the West. It's not random. I'm, I'm announcing the order of the votes for the people who nobody may not cares. Know. Kevin Durant, Zaza Pachulia, Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis, Ooh, Draymond man. Green are your top oh, five vote getters. Oh, in the back court, you have Steph Curry and James Harden, which there'd be nothing wrong with that. After that, you have Westbrook, Clay Thompson, Chris Paul. I mean, listen, they're on the mark for the most part, aside from Zaza Pachulia. Lou so Williams snub. Go vote however you Swaggy please. Swaggy peace snub. Right. All right, Joe. If if all star voting doesn't look good, we have something else that looks worse. So Joe, hit the that don't look good music. Mario. It might not be your fault, but maybe it is. Yeah, it's something good that don't look good. I like how Tommy was very. And your explanation to him sounded like a six-year-old trying to explain something to their parent. That their parent's like, "Oh, okay, sure, that makes sense." Well, I don't know. Like the backstory, I couldn't really remember it, so I'm just like, "Yeah, Super Mario Brothers and drugs." Yeah, yeah, we have an imaginary friend. That's that's what's going on here. It's cool. Um, All right, so so that don't look good today. Obviously, you guys touched on this a little bit Monday, but uh, you know, the the situation you discuss is since escalated, or I guess been de-escalated. What I'm speaking about, of course, is Grayson Allen making his triumphant return to the hardwood this week as Duke stomps out whoever the hell they played with Georgia Grayson Tech. Tech. Georgia Tech, who's awful. So so Grayson Allen gets suspended for being a dirty jerk against Elon. He gets suspended indefinitely. Uh, the, 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 the Duke. Duke gets crushed <laughs> in, in the game without Grayson the Allen. Duke, John Wayne, you got crushed. The Duke. The Dukes, the Dukes get crushed. The Blue Devils. I wanted to call them the Blue Devils, but it feels so 
insincere to refer to a college team by their their team name. Um, Duke gets crushed by Virginia Tech over the weekend. What do you know? The indefinite suspension ends. Grayson Allen comes back on Wednesday as Duke beats Georgia Tech by 53 points. Grayson plays 27 minutes, drops 15 points, 7 assists, takes a season-low 5 shots. No Joe, what, what do you think? Was one game enough for Grayson Allen? Why does this? Why doesn't this look good? Well, what should have been done differently? Where do you stand on this? Well, there's, there's I can see both sides of this. First, Coach K shouldn't use the word indefinite. If he if he thought maybe it might only be one game. Everybody, I joked about it on Twitter. If they lost to Virginia Tech, it'd only be one game. The the wrinkle here is Coach K is getting surgery today, Friday, and um, it would have been weird for Coach K to be missing the next four weeks. And for Jeff Capel to be in charge of Grayson Allen's suspension. Sure. So, like, this adds the wrinkle where Coach K kind of had to do it, right? Even if, even if like, he didn't want to do it yet, he had to do it so Jeff Capel didn't have to deal with any of this nonsense moving forward and just hope Grayson Allen doesn't act like a fool for the next four weeks. That being said, man, this story's taking weird twists, right? Because Grayson Allen is getting the benefit of the doubt because, you know, he's white. Like, it's no longer about, like, he's trips and he's, he's a dirty player, right? There's no getting around that. And now it's become some pockets of people saying, like, hey, let's worry about if he's okay. Do you know what I mean? That's I'm fine with that, by the way. But that we have to afford that luxury to everybody then. Like, everybody, including, like, guys in the NBA, like Boogie Cousins. Like, if Boogie goes nuts, you, you can't at one time go, yeah, is Grayson Allen mentally okay? Is he fragile? Is there something wrong? And then go, Boogie's got to be a man and a professional. you you got to be consistent with this. And I know that's not what's going to happen. Do you know what I mean? I'm all, yeah. I'm, I'm all for making sure. Like, listen, you know, I'm always about the players on all levels. I will give every player the benefit of the doubt, always. So I have no issue with the... Hey, maybe there's something problematic going on with Grayson Allen than just being a jerk, right? I'm all for that discussion. As long as we do this across the board, which I know, right. which I know we're not. Right? We don't. We don't do it. And you know, like like you said, it it just it feels fishy, which is why we're you know putting this in the that don't look good thing. For one, we didn't find out. There was no announcement. There was nothing formal about it. All it was a, sudden, a tweet. Well, Duke hits the court to warm up, and Grayson Allen's out there warming up with everybody. And it's, okay, I guess he's not suspended anymore. I, I agree with the first thing you said, though, about they shouldn't have used the word indefinite here. You know, you, using indefinite and then making it a one-game suspension makes it feel like a panic move. Or, you know, I, I know circumstances were weird, and like you mentioned, Coach K is going to be out. So, like, to put this on Jeff Capel filling in for him just felt weird and, you know, inappropriate to extents. It, just, it it all feels weird, and and also doing you know the is Grace Allen okay now? Where you know we just wanted to label him things up until this point. It it all feels weird. Again, this this is a college kid, but not everybody's afforded the benefit of the doubt of being a college kid or being a twenty one year old NBA player or, or whatever it is. So yeah, I mean it just it feels weird the way this has been approached, different than than everybody else. And of course, you know race is an element in that. Um, race just, and Duke, like both. Like it's not just he's white. It's also that he plays for Duke, which is the teacher's pet of college basketball. Yeah, to to extent. And I mean, listen, this this wasn't sanctioned by the NCAA. This was Duke, you know, enforcing their suspension and whatever punishment, you know, they felt was appropriate. It just it, I think it makes them look a little bad that they approach this with indefinite, which means we may not see Grayson Allen again this season. Indefinite sounds like a long time. Even though it just means there's no timetable, it makes Correct. you feel like there's a heavy like, listen, uh, I can't pronounce his first name, but Thornwell from South Carolina got a, a – they're claiming it has nothing to do with him getting arrested for possession of the drugs. But he was suspended indefinitely, right? His indefinitely was like 14 games. Do you know what I mean? That, like, that's right. what you think about when you hear indefinite, like six, seven. It's just – and, like, I'm not going to blame Coach K for poor terminology because he might not have known he needed to get the back surgery. And that would have expedited the suspension. Maybe his plan was, hey, like two or three games. Because I think everybody agreed, like he didn't need to be suspended a year. It was right. like, hey, two or three games. I think that's what everybody kind of felt like. And the first game was against Virginia Tech. Then it was Georgia Tech. 
And then it was another cupcake. I want to say Boston College. It was another cupcake after that. So, like, it wasn't like as if they needed Grayson Allen after the Virginia Tech game. They didn't. The next two games were against cupcakes. This just feels like the move was done so Jeff Capel doesn't have to deal with it. But it just makes them look bad because the word of indefinite was used. And if because they lost to Virginia Tech, it does look like a panic move. I don't think it's any of those things. I think it's Coach K being like, hey, like, I can't let my assistant deal with this. Like, I'm going to just... Now, he could have, he could have, because he coached Wednesday, he could have said after, sat him for Wednesday and said, yeah, like, I'm going to be on the surgery, uh, Grayson's going to miss one more game, or Grayson's going to be back the next game. Like, he didn't have to do it just because it was his last game. He could have made the announcement moving forward, but you would still put Capel in that position where he'd have to answer questions. And the way Coach K does it is, he explains it as, we do our teaching moments behind closed doors. I'm not going to just appease you. With suspensions, and then you're at the next, the questions would be to Jeff Capel. Well, what are you doing behind closed doors? And that's like you said, it's not fair to him to answer for Grayson Allen's mistake and Coach K's decision when he probably had no input on either. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure, sure. And but again, I don't think know- I don't think any of this is as bad as any of us make it sound out to be. I think what it is is pent up frustration against Duke for the people that are mad against, like I'm mad about it. It's pent up years worth of indignant Coach K. Entitled White Duke, right? All these things, which I do think are fair, by the way. I also think it's fair to feel that way about Duke. And if I'm a Duke fan or, or if I'm Duke, I'm just going, hey, man, like, Coach K should have built up enough credibility where if he says, like, yeah, I'm doing my teaching moments behind closed doors, I also happen to be getting back surgery in, like, two days, so I'm going to take care of this now. Like, I, I totally get it from all sides. Yeah. Yeah, and again, like it's it's just. And let, it's and let's not, be honest, he's not that good anymore. Like he's not their be, he's not their best player. Like he's not their most important player. So like they were gonna survive without him. Right. Yeah. They're, they're, the season's not in the dumps without Grayson Allen. I mean, Harry Giles had his first big game the other night. Jason Tatum's been coming on strong. They, this is a really talented team. Right. And Luke Kennard's awesome. Right. Yeah. He he is of course. Yeah. Why I, do I, people still have Grayson Allen in the first round of their mock drafts? Yeah. I, like I don't know. like. To even remove all the tripping and whatever things are going on with him there, he's been a pretty inefficient player this year. I don't understand why he's still in the first round, do you? Um, I do. Jeff Express, Express bumped him to like 32 or 33. But I say most of the mocks still have him closer to the lottery. I mean, here's what it is. He, he's a very good athlete. Like, he's, he's ridiculously athletic. Um, Go ahead, say it. No, he, he's not deceptively athletic. There's nothing. No, no, no. Just about. say say why part no, of it's not, nothing about great. I'm I'm not going. You know, I'm not doing the the sounding board thing here. He he's very athletic. He's a decent three point shooter. He's Except good at he's getting. Not. To, he's not. He hasn't been this year. He hasn't been, but on his career, he has. I mean, this is his third season. This isn't the only season he's played. Right, but you so. you you would hope he wouldn't regress in his third season. He like when you're a man playing with boys, you should be better, not worse. He's having a tough year. I, I don't necessarily think that that needs to undermine what he did last year and what we've seen that he's capable of. It's not like we're talking about him as a lottery pick. We're talking about him as a back-of-the-first-round pick. I, I'm saying I see the validity to it. He is still a decent prospect with a decent skill set. People have you know been going I mean? ahead of Jaron Blossom game, who's a far better player. It's not even close. Right. Um, like that, that. That's where my issue comes in. He's getting... Like, people are, are propping him up because it's... Well, one... Man, this goes. I, I'll go on a small rant. A lot of Mac drop, Mac chat people don't watch enough college basketball, and like you would notice that Jeremy Blossom game and Alec Peters and these guys are just better, right? So the only reason I Allen's ahead of them is because you're not watching enough Clemson or Valparaiso, and he's a name brand guy, and you just kind of put him there. And then the, this stuff does work itself out by the end of the season. Like either Allen will play himself up to that level. Or it'll be adjusted. Like, most mock drafts at this point are worthless because they just are. And, um, yeah, man, like, they have T.J. Leaf going, like, him going in front of T.J. Leaf. T.J. Leaf's a better pro prospect. Like, these yeah. days. Do you know what I mean? I'm just saying, like, yeah, if, yeah, if, yeah, if, yeah. if he's at 21, and I'm, I'm not, I don't have the mock draft in front of me, the one I'm thinking of, but you have, like, 10 guys behind him that are clearly, like, clearly. I'm not counting, even counting the foreign players that I don't, I don't follow, so I don't really have an opinion on, that are clearly better players and probably better pro prospects ahead of them. It's just, you're just doing it because he's Grayson Allen White and plays for Duke. 
Is Grace now a better pro prospect than Nick Stauskas? Oh, he is. I, I believe that. Right, I wasn't cool. high on I, but this isn't me using hindsight. I wasn't high on Stauskas when he was viewed as a lottery pick. Right, right. I know. I was joking, Joe. That was a tongue in cheek question. No, no, I know. But nobody knows the inside. Like nobody knows that me and you had this whole thing like four years ago about Nick Stauskas, and I was like, he stinks. Right, and I and I agreed, despite you thinking I think he's the best. Anyway, and you compared him to Clay Thompson. In college. Let's move on, Joe, and I have an important question for you. I can't, can't hold on. I hold on too much. I'm sorry. Just stop it. Stop! Do, you care, do you care about this weekend's NFL playoffs? No. Nope. Nope. I have a question for you, though. Yes. I told you this in the DMs when I sent you DMs. Yeah. Who's your, uh, who's your favorite? Because this is the weekend of the backup quarterback. Who's your favorite backup quarterback of all time? Oh, man, of all time. Um... Like, these could be guys that end up being starters, like an Aaron Brooks or something like that. But they had to, like, never have been projected to actually be a starter, though. Do you know what I mean? So it can't be Aaron Rodgers. Bobby Brister counts. You know what I mean? It can't be Aaron Rodgers sitting no. behind Brett Favre. No, but he's, like, he was drafted in the first round. Like, if the guy was picked and you're like, yeah, he's never going to actually play, he could be your favorite. He could right. still never been a good backup. Like he could never have been a good, uh, actual player that started either. Your your favorite backup could be Ryan Mallett for some reason. Yeah, right. Who, who's yours? Uh, it's probably Bubby Brister. Sounds about right. Um, because his name was Bubby, and ah uh, uh, man, I'm gonna blank on the I'm guy. I'm glad no, that we're gonna spend more time. Michael Bishop. Remember Michael Bishop? Is that that his name? Michael Bishop. From TCU quarterback. Well, yeah, I think no, it's. I a, don't. Michael Bishop. I used to love him. I think it's Michael Bishop. Let's see. Michael Bishop. Awesome. Good radio. Uh, my favorite backup quarterback Yeah, ever. it's Michael Bishop. Woo! That's who I'm talking about. There he is. Way, way to go. Um, I don't know, man. No, he played for Kansas State, not TCU. Man. I'm sorry. Similar. Similar. They're both purple. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I guess Ray Lucas is my favorite backup Ooh, quarterback ever. that's a good one. Man, I forgot about Ray Lucas. Jets, yeah, Dolphins, he'd always find a way to end up playing, and he'd always play decent enough. You're like, oh, yeah, let's give him some money and start him some games. Yeah, yeah, Ray Lucas, good old Ray Lucas. I don't have a favorite backup quarterback, so I'm just saying somebody who I can think of that played a while ago, For I the guess. Jets at some point? Yeah. All right, but not, so Christian Hackenberg is not your favorite backup quarterback? No, probably my least, and he will never be a quarterback, so he, he fits into this question that you're asking. But seriously. No, I'm not excited at all. And no at least for Saturday's games, I'm not. So I think Lions Seahawks should be a decent game. I mean, yeah, and there, there's just there's nothing exciting about this. I hope the Steelers absolutely crush the Dolphins on Sunday, and not because I'm a Jet fan, but because of Twitter and because of Omar Kelly, who is a beat writer for the Dolphins. Have you seen any of his tweets this week? No, I don't follow. I don't follow him either. He's just he's landed on my timeline about a hundred times, talking about how ridiculous it is that the the Steelers are such heavy favorites. That Jay Ajayi had a better season than Le'Veon Bell, and the disrespect is unbearable at this point. Shut up, man. I, I hope the Steelers crush them. You know, you. You Listen, know, the whole I, disrespect thing, too, is, I, I, I mean, it's just funny. It's sports, yeah. man. It's sports. We're also already naming, we're also donning Eli as 3 lie because he's going to, I guess, go for his third Super Bowl this year. So Giants Twitter's been calling him 3 lie all week because, hey... Get Eli Manning in the playoffs and anything can happen because the two times he's made it there in his career, 15-year <laughs> career, they've won two Super Bowls. See, this no, is but, the op- that's bizarre world of Tom Brady where people will knock Tom Brady because he's been to the Super Bowl 9,000 times but haven't, hasn't won it every time. Eli gets the opposite treatment. Right. Oh, and he only listen, made the playoffs twice, but every time he makes it, they win the Super right. Bowl. And it's been more than twice. I want to say he's been there four times. Maybe. Oh, it doesn't matter. Right, but but I just I'm all for Eli Manning winning more Super. I wanted to win all of them, so we could be like, is he better than Peyton Manning? Right, so they've gotten to the playoffs five times with Eli as a quarterback. Three of those five times have been one and done. The last time they made it was 2011. They won the Super Bowl. So since the last time they they made it to the playoffs, they won the Super Bowl. The next time they make it to the playoffs, they're obviously going to win the Super Bowl. I mean, they have everything in their favor. They're going to be the road team for the whole playoffs. They're starting with Green Bay, and then they're going to Dallas. They beat Green Bay and Dallas in 2007, so that means they're going to do it again this year. Giants fans, you guys are exhausting, man. Yeah. Yeah, Giants fans. You know what was dumb about this 
the whole Giants thing is I what? saw a beat reporter like when all the receivers and stuff went to Miami to celebrate. And then he's like, but Eli's studying Green Bay Packer film. Whatever, man. Yeah. So like, seriously, like, are people not allowed to have lives? Like, does Odell Beckham Jr. literally just have to stay in the Giants facility until the season's over? The best part about that report was the day after when it was like, reportedly there were drugs on that boat. No, it's a bunch of dudes hanging out on a boat until 5 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> holding each other's hands and talking about, you know, the Relatively Speaking podcast. What do you think these guys but are the, doing? The video is the best when he goes, hey, man, some Adderall. He's like, I can't do any Adderall. <laughs> <laughs> I get suspended if I do Adderall. Yeah, yeah that was great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man, I, let these, let the, let the, like, I, Ben McAdoo, to his credit, he was asked about it. He's like, oh, yeah, let them have fun. They're fine. It was the, it was an off day. You know yeah. what I mean? So, like, man, we care, not me and you, but people care far too much about what these guys do in their off time. Yeah. That'd be like if, like, like somebody's day job being, like, whatever. Let's say they are a construction worker. So, like, they work at 5, their day ends at 5, we'll say. And then at 6 o'clock, they're at the supermarket, and that's gone. Why aren't you Why aren't you at home practicing pavement studies? Worse, man. Just What's worse. What's the matter? You got depressed. What's wrong? No, nothing. I just, it's it's annoying. It's it's really annoying. I'm annoying? I, you're fired. Yeah. No, you're, you're not annoying. You're fine. I just, I'm ready for the playoffs to be over, or at least for it to be Super Bowl week. So we don't have to hear about some of this annoying stuff we've been hearing about. But, yeah, I, I, I'm I not that excited for the playoffs this weekend either. Cool stuff. Your energy level just dropped. You getting sick on me again? Uh, yeah, I, I'm dying over here. All right, Joe, let, let's move on. Let's wrap up our show with some AMAs. <laughs> Hit the music. All right, Joe, I, I guess I'm going to ask the first... No, maybe you should ask the first question so I could ask the second one. All right. Um, this comes from Human Echoes Podcast, which is just tremendous. Uh, what was your absolute worst sports fan moment? What hurt the most? This is a good question. I have quite a few that I, I could answer with. The, the first one was really the Knicks losing the 94 finals. That hurt. It didn't hurt that bad. Like It felt good that they were that good already. Um, I don't know if that hurt more or less than Patrick Ewing missing the finger roll in the 95 uh, Eastern Conference semifinals. That one hurt a lot, too. Um, but really, the the number one thing, I think, for me was Game 7 of the 2001 World Series where Mariano Rivera throws the ball away, and, uh, yeah, Luis Gonzalez pops one up to, to win the World Series for the Diamondbacks. That one hurt pretty bad. How yeah, about those, you, Joe? Those are pretty awful ones. The Ewing one I remember pretty vividly. Um it was really bad, and what made it worse, I don't know why, I think my dad just liked being a jerk to me. My dad used to call the Knicks mediocre in the 90s, and he specifically <laughs> referred to Patrick Ewing as being mediocre, man. And it was just like, this guy's so freaking good, why can't you just appreciate him? And Ewing misses his finger roll, and my dad, my dad was like 5'10", my dad's like, I would have dunked that ball in. <laughs> so your dad Ewing was hot thing guy before hot thing guy was alive? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Especially about the things I liked. I think it was just him being a jerk and an easy way to tease me, but he did not let Ewing live <laughs> after he missed that finger roll. And, like, how do you defend it? It's indefensible, but, like, it, it happens. Yeah, it does happen. Mine was, because I was a kid, 93 World Series, Joe Carter, walk-up home run against the Phillies. Yeah. Um, nice. I really, like, I really, really liked that team a lot because they all looked like people I knew because they were all out of shape and stuff. Um. Yeah, man, that really hurt. Mitch Williams was one of my favorite players. I mean, I liked every player on that team, especially as a kid. Now that I know stuff about them, not so much. But as a kid, I loved that team. And uh, Darren Dalton, probably my favorite baseball player ever. Mitch Williams on the on the mound, I remember being all jacked. Uh, I was 10. So, like, my like my emotional attachment was still super high. Like, I, my part of my identity was my sports teams, I guess. And uh, Joe Carter hit that walk-off, and I remember just being like, just broken. Yeah, it's a pretty bad one, too. I can't believe I didn't think of this sooner, but I think the worst moment for me actually was 2004 ALCS 
losing the three oh lead to the Red yeah. Sox. Like no nothing's worse than that in all of sports because like not to sound like such a jerk here, there's something empowering about oppressing another team and oppressing their fan base. And that was the end of the oppression. Like there was no more, you know, the whatever, the the Babe Ruth curse or any of that stuff. Now the Red Sox were like better than the Yankees. And I was living in Connecticut going to school at the University of Hartford at the time and it was Red Sox Nation. They were just like throwing that in my face so bad. It hurt really bad. I think that moment kind of numbed me towards sports fandom though because that was like that was like the low point. It, it's not going to get lower than that. So that that's got to be my final answer here. I have one more. Do it. Um also around 93, I think it was 92, uh in addition to WWF superstars. <sighs> Man, this one really hurts. The Rockers, Shawn Michaels, and Mario Gennetti were going through tough times, and Shawn Michaels, being the card that he is, super kicked Shawn Michael or Mario Gennetti and threw him through the barbershop window. And you know, I almost replied to you yesterday when you asked me this next absurd question. I almost replied to you by saying, "I'm going to throw you through a barbershop window," <laughs> so I can understand that being a as, as a for kid, you. though. Right? The Rockers were my my favorite thing ever. Now, of all of sports, right? I know wrestling's not a sport, I guess, but like of all the things I watched, sport related, they were my favorite thing. And because I didn't know it was fake, and I really thought Marty and Sean were going to make up because they were such good friends. I was legitimately hurt when Shawn Michaels threw Marge in the barbershop window. Understandable. That was a low point. All right, let, let's move on. Our next question comes from at Joseph Nardone. He says, at Jamin's Hoops, when is at Stokey Tommy replacing you full-time on the pod? I guess I'll let you answer that one first, Joe. Uh, Monday. Interesting. <laughs> All right, guys, I guess this is my resignation. It's been nice. It's been fun while it lasted. Uh, Joe, enjoy okay, the, 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 the dynamics between you and Tommy aren't that different because my whole purpose here is to try to get everybody off the rails and not talk about what's on the rundown. And, uh, that's what happened with Tommy. That's what I had to make you go through each week as well. Great. Yeah. You really did a good job with the backup quarterback question this week. Tommy, Tommy would not have stood for it. He probably would have hung up. Um, well, I asked this- him about Donald Trump's hands and he wanted to hang up, but he stuck to Good man. Good man, Tommy. In all seriousness, though, I'm going to be getting married in less than two months. So uh, when I'm on my honeymoon, I think you're going to need to find somebody to replace me for a little bit. Well, so that, that, was, that was a good audition for Tommy. It was. I want to br- When you do go on your honeymoon and you need time off, I'm going to branch out and not just do Tommy. Like, I have other people in mind. Um, basically, what I want to do is ruin everybody's journalistic credibility. So I'll hit somebody yeah. else next. Uh, Christian Ibarra, somebody I'd like to ruin his credibility with. He's a very good uh, MMA writer. Um, I'd have him come on and not talk about MMA at all. Perfect. That's what we just grab do. somebody that has a very specific wheelhouse. Tommy at baseball. Don't don't talk about baseball. Grab somebody That's else. Tell us MMA. Don't talk about MMA. That's my plan. I've been doing this with you for like a year now, not talking about college basketball. So I'm glad you're finally learning that. That's the way to do it. Right. Like I'm being forced to talk about the NFL, and I could get zero poops. Yeah. Unless CJ Proceis is involved, then he's not. CJ Procise, unfortunately. Hey, Bork Osweiler's starting again, right? Or is that a lie? Yeah. Nah, Brock's starting, man. I told you he'd be the MVP this season. <laughs> yeah, n- nailed it. I believe my MVP was Adrian Peterson, so we were equally. Uh, no, mine was especially. Mine was especially bad. Yeah, obviously. I mean, we didn't know that was going to happen, obviously. So it happens. All right, Joe, we're, we're running a little long. Why don't you ask the last question here? Sure. At Smarts. Brilliant, man. Marty McFly moment where you're back in time and can can play a song in front of a crowd and be credited with its creation. What song are you playing? For those of you that don't know what this question is asking, if you've never seen the movie Back to the Future, the main character goes back in the past to save his parents and make sure that they marry each other and stuff, whatever. Um, <laughs> he almost sleeps with his mom. Yeah, right. And one of the moments involves them at, at a high school dance and he gets up on stage and performs uh, Johnny Be Good, and the, everybody goes nuts because they've never heard that song before. So that's what this question is asking. And um, so I saw it on Twitter the other day, and I, I had a few answers involved. Like, my, my mind immediately goes to, what is a transcendent song that's just going to get people to go completely bonkers? Like, I'm going to get up there, and I'm going to want to sing, like, some, you know, I was like, oh, I'll do Ether, I'll do Nas. <laughs> People would be like so afraid, they wouldn't even know what to do. It would be scary for them, I'd imagine. You want something that's going to get the people moving and stuff. So I went to like Michael Jackson. I was thinking maybe Beat It. Beat It would be a fun song. People would probably go pretty crazy over that. 
Um, I, I had another good one. Journey Don't Stop Believing was one I thought of, but that's like too corny for me. I really don't like that song. This is also a very corny one, but I think it has a little more energy. Uh, bon Jovi halfway there. That, that'd be another good one. Joe, what about you, man? Uh, I'd like to go back during the peak of Nirvana and Pearl Jam, like 91 this year, and Taylor Swift's fight song. Yes, man. <laughs> just you be and- the complete opposite of what they're doing and just be like, boom, this is my fight song. Keep going. You That's the lo- only words I know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know any of the words that song either. You would literally lull people to sleep. They would hate you. I know. I don't care. Could you imagine you did that and then Taylor Swift comes around and everybody's just like a gigantic Taylor Swift fan? You you set the, the mood for Taylor Swift to, to be a big star. I was That's the pioneer. Like- yeah. yeah, you were. I would be the O-Town of for Taylor Swift. Exactly, because, yeah. Because O-Town. Could you name right. the two O-Town signs? Uh, no, I couldn't. I think one of them's Angel, right? I just said no, I can't, so. I'm, I, I don't know if it's Angel either. <laughs> O-Town. No, I was never up on O-Town. They, they come on every now and then, and my fiance's like, oh, O-Town. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that. I'm more up on... Uh, what, what was their name? The the group that was on MTV? That I don't was think O-Town. Were, no, 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 no. Or the not, fake group. Not, right, the fake group. I know which one, one you're talking about. Uh, I know my calculus. Yeah. It's a two plus <laughs> me equals us. Was their name like Together, I think, or something Yeah, like with that? the two, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah Wasn't Chris Farley's brother in that band? He was, Doug Farley. Yeah. yeah. Was Kyle they, Gass as well, or no? No, Kyle Gass was not in that band. That would have been outstanding. The though. guy from uh, Mighty Ducks 2 was in it, too, though, wasn't he? I don't know. It was a one. weird collection, but it was that that was funny. Oh man, yeah. that was good. I like that. Yeah. Whatever happened, whatever awful. happened to Dylan Hotfire and Ness? Because Old Town makes me think of making the band. Mm, so nothing ever happened to any of them. And I'm glad you're referring to him as Dylan Hotfire. His name is Dylan. <laughs> I said Dylan. I said Dylan. I said Dylan. I said Dylan Hotfire. Dylan Ness and uh, Babs and all them. There's yeah. two more. Chopper. Uh, Chopper. Yeah. yeah. Chopper. Who was, was the other one? Sarah, there was a girl. Sarah was the singer. Chopper was just like a little Wayne ripoff, correct? I guess I don't know. And Ness was supposed to be like the Nas of the, the the group. I don't know if any of them were supposed to be anybody. Fred, Fred was the other one. I don't know if you said Fred. his name was Fred. So yeah. we had Ness, Chopper, Babs, Dylan, Hotfire, and then Fred and Sarah. <laughs> correct. That that was the band. Oh, Sarah was, was the singer, right? She was just the singer girl. Right, that was the crew that that walked to Juniors to get Diddy a cheesecake. <laughs> That's when Diddy still had what's his name with the umbrellas hanging. Yeah, out. Fonsworth Bentley. Oh man, the, I was I was telling somebody this. I had a, so I do the um, like a glorified link dump every morning for college basketball, and tonight's games are garbage. There's eight of them. There's like two good games. So for the third game, I did a walk to remember what Mandy Moore, and I wrote about Mandy Moore for like 300 words. And wow. I linked to that the sign she did candy when and she was like sixteen and I was listening to the lyrics and man these are inappropriate and it made me think about the nineties and how weird of the the late nineties early two thousand how weird of a time that was where stuff like Dylan Hotfire Mandy Moore innuendoing her way into grown adults minds which is like you know pedophilia was all just like yeah let's do it. Yeah, they still do that in music, Joe. I don't know if you're aware. Yeah, but there's not there's no teenagers really anymore. They're they're at least eighteen before they start doing this now, it seems like. I don't see a ton of like Mandy Moore's or Britney Spears when they're before eighteen doing these things. Yeah, I don't know how old Ariana Grande was when she hit the scene, but she looked like she was about twelve singing about sex and stuff. It always makes me uncomfortable. I don't know why we're having this conversation. Because but, uh, we're the best. We certainly are the best. Speaking of Mandy Moore, Mandy Moore made me think of Entourage. Joe, did you watch? Did you see the Ronda Rousey fight last week? Uh, I saw the clip. That's all I needed. The forty nine yeah, really seconds of it, I saw it. You didn't really need to see much of it. Oh man, she got knocked out. I really wanted to bring that up, and I was sad I missed Monday's show because I didn't get to talk about it. But yeah, man, man, Mandy Moore, you got knocked out. Is what I was going to say. <laughs> Good stuff. That's it. That seems like an appropriate time to end the show. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, you know who I am. You can follow me on Twitter at jmincehoops. I also want to give a shout-out to the Knicks Wall. The Knicks Wall had me on their podcast this week. Joe got pretty upset about it. I felt like I was cheating on my family. I mean, I don't know what I can tell you. I didn't have a voice on Monday. I sort of had it back by Wednesday, so I recorded with those guys. You can check that out. We talk Knicks for an hour if you're into things like that. So uh, go check out the Knicks Wall. And, again, 
Catch me on Twitter at Jamin's Hoops. Find my basketball writing at FanRagSports.com. Joe, tell the good people where they can find you. FanRagSports.com and on the Twitters at Joseph Nardone, N-A-R-D-O-N-E. Also, I'll be forming stand-up comedy at the... No, I'm just kidding. Good one, Joe. You really got that. <laughs> Make sure you get out there and vote for NBA starters. Vote Zaza. Joel Embiid, Zaza, Pachulia, Eddie Jones. Woot woot. <laughs> All around me are familiar websites. Worn out clickbait. Worn out hotcakes. Bright and early for the daily link dumps. No one's clicking. No one's clicking. Their pupils are filling up their pockets. But not for writers. Not for writers. Hide my head, I want to do a slideshow. No tomorrow. No tomorrow. And I find it kind of funny. I find it kind of sad. The internet in which I'm worthless is the best I've ever had. I find it hard to tell you. I find it too hot to take. When people blog in circles, it's a very, very mad.